and welcome to mini episode 58 of Real Life Ghost Stories. How you do? Before we start today's episode, we have got a promo for you. And today's promo is The Q Files. The Q Files is a personal, purposeful, paranormal podcast about the highly strange and the weirdly unknown. The show features storytelling and investigation with brilliant sound editing and creative direction, both documentary and historical narrative at the intersection of queer culture and the paranormal. Can I just say as well, so in their latest episode, they interview Terry Carnation, which I know means nothing to Dan because you've never listened. But if you're a Radio Rental fan, you will know who that is. And I was obsessed with the fact that they interviewed Terry Carnation. So I'm going to play their promo now. Make sure you go and give it a listen. It's time to reopen the Q files. Are you ready? Count me in. So what we're going to do first is, in the spirit of the Donner Party, yes. we have a little platter here of raw human. Raw human. Thank you, Black Market. In season one, we took you on many adventures. We conducted seances, hunted ghost trains, sought out demons, and even dug up the dead. But we were just getting started. His prized possession in his uh, office of his private practice was a uh, severed human foot in a jar on his desk. Now, on the second season of The Q Files, we're going to fully embrace the notion that not all those who wonder are lost. Well, in 1,000 feet, turn left. This is when GPS is really But we do always find our way as we take you along with us. And it's right by the tree. Okay. There it is. We will tell you strange new tales and even tell the stories of those who tell the stories of those long gone. Whenever I'm doing research on my stories, I always try to visit the graves of the people that I'm telling the story about just to kind of have that connection. And kind of get their blessing. An interesting thing about um, these picnics and leaving food at graves was often to kind of placate the the dead to prevent them from coming back to haunt you. And we'll even defy death in the process. Oh, there's a dead bee in my boilers. (laughs) I mean, to die on air is one thing. To die on air in a graveyard is just Mm -hmm. Oh, you know, I'm eating the food that's going to kill me in the spot where they're going to bury me. (laughs) This is a joke. I want to be taxidermied. We'll tell the stories of those who no one believes. I'm not saying that any of us know what it is or what they are or who's driving them. But there's a phenomenon and it seems there's parts of it that even seem to delve into the realm of consciousness. We're out here at the Stevenson farm where at the door to the house he looked out and he looked over here close to where we're standing and right above the barn is where he saw the craft. We'll bring it all home to the relevant real-world issues of today. Being gay and being um, really passionate about ufology, sometimes it does seem um, a little lonely. It's just something that I've always been open about. And my local group here is a really small town. They've all been really supportive. And dig up some interesting unknown history 
in the process. Abraham Lincoln and the Donner Party. I was fascinated to learn Abraham Lincoln was invited to go on the journey with the Donna Reed party that by James Reed. Whenever the uh, circus came back into town or when they had a parade through the, the cemetery of all the circus um, performers, uh, sideshow freaks as they would be called then. We'll ask you questions that we should all ponder. But here's the thing I ask. You're dying, I don't care from what, and an angel comes down. What wouldn't you do to stay alive? What is the one thing you would say Oh no, I'd rather die. And if things go right, we'll conduct something that has never been done before. A ghost hunt in a slaughterhouse. Season two of The Q-Files, coming up soon, wherever you listen to podcasts. Be weird. Stay curious. I am Lori Gunn. I'm Shane McClellan. And these are The Q-Files. Shane, I just walked this out of the fucking car. And that was The Q Files. So the other thing that I need to say before we start is that if I haven't contacted you about your Ulemu giveaway prize, can you please send me an email? There's one person that I can't track down on either social media or Patreon. So please send me an email if I haven't already contacted you about claiming your prize. And the last story in today's episode is from the 12th of May, 2020. And I've got five lovely listener stories for you today. Are you ready? Uh Uh-oh. And story number one comes from Leah. I love anything to do with the paranormal and I do want to believe in ghosts and everything else. But the only possible experience that I've had happened when I was four to ten years old, so maybe it was all just my imagination. However, one thing that makes me believe that it could have been legitimately ghosts is that each incident I remember vividly what they looked like. I did have an imaginary friend when I was younger called Mimi, and I have memories of me playing and talking with her. But in those memories there's no one there, and I know there's no one there. So I don't think any of these could be imaginary friends. The first sighting I remember having, I was probably four. I was in my grandparents' car and we were going away on holiday. Now at this point in my life, my much older siblings used to like to scare me with well-known ghost stories like Click Click Slide and the one about the dog licking the man's hand under the bed. I hope you or some of your listeners understand what those are. I remember while we were driving, I saw something in the corner of my eye catch up to our car. It didn't look like a car, so I turned to see what it was. And right outside my window was an old-looking man riding a bike. Now, I know that sounds crazy. Even four-year-old me thought it was crazy. So I didn't look away as I was intrigued. I remember looking at this man for a solid ten seconds. He was looking straight ahead, still pedalling, keeping up with cars, which were speeding along at at least 80 kilometres an hour when he turned his head to look at me and smiled. It was a sinister kind of smile. And he waved and then slowed down as our car sped up. My four-year-old mind convinced myself I had just seen Click Click Slide, which now that I think about it couldn't be true because in the stories, Click Click Slide has no legs and really long fingernails. 
and this man definitely had legs. These next two I remember happening in the same week. I went with my mum to our family friend's house, but stayed in the car as she was just picking something up. I must have been a little older as I was playing on my iPod and I remember I didn't get one until I was maybe 10 or 11. She was taking a little while, so I looked at the door to see if she decided to go in for a coffee. When I looked up, I saw a girl in the window. The window was a full-length window, so I could see her whole body. She had her hands and face pressed against the window and she was looking at me. I remember her looking scared. Her hair was so curly and so frizzy, almost like she'd been electrocuted. But nothing else about her looked off. The sight of her scared me so much I looked away and looked back and of course she was gone. This couldn't have been anyone in the house because our family friends only had sons. And my mum's friend had straight blonde hair and this girl had ginger hair. The husband of the family had recently died of cancer, so I'm not sure if that could have had anything to do with it. This last one is quite light-hearted for you, Dan. This one has a little bit of a sad backstory. My sister used to have a black cat called Middy, short for Midnight. It was quite a timid cat, so one night when there was a big storm, it ran out onto the road and got hit by a car. I'm not sure how long after that I was sitting in my room playing with my toys. Outside my window was our front deck, and there was a railing that led to my window that our cats used to sit on and would use to go in and out of my window. I felt the presence of a cat there so I looked up and saw a black cat. Since we didn't own a black cat anymore I went to tell it to go away, but when I got up it was gone. I didn't hear the sound of paws hitting wood and I didn't hear any sound so it couldn't have just ran away. I wasn't scared because I thought it was just our old cat coming to sit in its favourite place again. What is it with these things being able to pace a car? Like you shouldn't be able to do that on a push bike really. You know what was in my head the entire time for that? You know the bit in The Wizard of Oz where she's in the tornado and it's like... And the lady on the bike that is then the Wicked Witch of the West is is keeping pace with her. And that is that is what was in my head. That is actually a very good point. I hadn't considered that because it's been a time since I've seen that movie. But yeah, that is a, a good little analogy is not the right word but you know what i mean comparison comparison lovely um but that's the freakiest thing about this isn't it and the smiling and the waving but going you can't it's very hard to go that fast on a bike even if you're going downhill and i do think as well that for children when they um, are little and they have ghosts or they know what a ghost is their idea of a ghost is not a man on a bike keeping pace with your car at 80 miles an hour like if they were going to imagine a ghost they'd be seeing you know, the, the kind of stereotypical white mist or, you know, somebody with a sheet over their head. They're not necessarily going to be seeing something that could happen in real life, but is completely uncanny valley because of the speed and, and the the context. Is it a ghost, though, or is it something like Freddy? <laughs> is it a creature on a bike? Well, she did say it was an old man, though. Yeah, but why would the how would an old man ghost go eighty miles an hour on a bike? Maybe he was just really hench and had to yeah, train maybe. really hard. <laughs> maybe, and it is unnatural, but not in the paranormal way. <laughs> I like the cat ghost story. I know you did as well, probably. Obviously, I like a cat ghost story. Yeah, love it. It's always nice to think that they come back and just check up on you. 
So that was good. Thank you for including that to calm me down a little bit. Needed it after the man on the bike, I have to say. And after the reference to the dog licking the owner's hand. Oh, that's one of that your story. That's one of your worst stories, isn't it? Yeah, I don't like it. I wasn't familiar with Click Click Slide. No, me neither. So I looked it up and it's it's one of those like folkloric tales where a child is in bed and they think it's their mum, but it's actually this creature who has no bottom half of their body. So the Click Click is them with their two dragging themselves along with their two hands and the slide is them dragging their bodies along and it's just called click click slide uh and it, it was it's one it's a very similar story to this sort of man man's hand being licked by his dog under the bed and i can imagine that as a child terrifying terror 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 i can also appreciate with this story the older siblings telling the younger sibling all those horrible ghost stories <laughs> purely to terrorize them as the youngest of four siblings I was clearly a soft touch because being the eldest of four siblings, I don't think, I mean, correct me if you're listening, Joe, and this is wrong, but I don't remember telling you scary any scary stories because I was just too scared myself. Yeah, you just scare yourself. You'd be trying to scare Joe and you'd end up in the corner crying and Joe would be <laughs> fine. And story number two comes from Fran. About 15 years ago, my great-uncle passed away quite suddenly. He was the kind of guy you thought would outlive everyone. Over the years, he was a teacher, a doctor, an explorer, and a vicar. He lived half his life in the UK and half in South Africa, always living his life to the fullest. He'd always said, when the time came, if he could come back, he would. We told him to stop being so morbid. About a year later, he had a massive aneurysm and collapsed and died at a neighbourhood watch meeting after winking at my granddad. Weird or what? At his funeral, I was asked to stay behind, to look after his grandkids while the rest of the family went to his burial. So I never knew where he was actually buried. I knew which graveyard, but it was massive and didn't have a clue where. Fast forward about three years to 18-year-old me, and a friend decided to cut through this graveyard. I decided to have a look around and see if I could find his grave. We walked around for a good 20 minutes, failing to find it. We started walking towards the main arched entrance to the graveyard, and something made me turn around to take one last look at the church, and there was a mist that had formed in the path, about a 100 feet down the path towards the church entrance. It was just a small area, about six foot high and two to three feet wide. Both of us agreed that it was weird, so we decided to walk towards the mist to investigate. As we got closer, the mist cleared, and I noticed next to the path, right beside where the mist was, was my uncle's gravestone. It kind of felt nice, like he wanted me to know where it was. Four years ago, my granddad was taken ill really quickly. He was 91, had a great life, but just like my uncle, we thought he'd outlive everyone. He was cooking and felt unwell. He fell through a glass door and banged his head. Something niggled at my auntie to go to his house, where she found him on the floor, smoke billowing from the pan on the hob, and him unconscious but alive. He was admitted to hospital. He had regressed to being about 20 years old, talking about living with his mum and waiting to be called up for service. He fell asleep and wasn't massively conscious after this. We were warned by the hospital that it wouldn't be long. So the family gathered around him. 
me, my sister, my brother, my dad, my auntie and my great aunt. I was sat next to my great aunt, granddad's sister and my great uncle's wife. It was the early hours of the morning and she nudged me. She asked me to look above the bed and tell her what I could see. I could see a mist above the bed and it took me straight back to that day in the graveyard. I had never told anyone about that experience other than the friend who was with me. I just said I can see a mist. To which she replied, I bet that's Peter, my great uncle. I then told her about my previous experience in the graveyard. She cried, but happy tears, and said I think we should all go home now. At around 8.30 we got a call to say that he'd passed away. I can't get over that it was seemingly as if my uncle had come to meet my granddad. There's something quite comforting about it. But I never asked my auntie what made her believe it could be my uncle. It was as if she had also had experiences before. This is another good one, isn't it? Of a relative coming back and really making themselves known. But it's in quite a... Like not a... Sometimes they're very... When they come back, they're very visual and like they do things whereas uncle peter comes back and indicates where his gravestone is which i think actually for the first part of the story is really cool they're clearly looking for it and then this mist appears right by it which is incredible and then to sort of grab his brother i guess which is neat yeah to come and meet him and take him back the implication i think for this is that when you go you get the choice as to whether or not you come back or not, right? Because he specifically said, when I go, I'm going to come back and let you know. What would you do if you were given the choice? Say you die and you're met by whatever and they say, hey, you've got a choice. You can go back and let everybody know that you're okay or you can go back and annoy everybody. That's your choice. Or you can just stay going into whatever whatever happens after you die. Um, Is it a limited time offer? So... Do I just get to go back? If I choose to go back, do I, am I back always? Or can I just come back for a bit? Uh, maybe you're back always. Then I wouldn't. Would you not? I'd come back forever and annoy people. I think I think that's what I was put on this earth to do, so I might as well do it afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> and I did, There's we've had so many stories of, of loved ones coming back to collect their loved ones when they're going. And I think whatever you believe, that's really comforting. Yeah, absolutely. And it sounds like, you know, Uncle Peter probably explored the natural plane a lot in his actual life. And then maybe, you know, his intentions were to come back for a long time, but actually he just came back to do a couple of jobs and then he's going to go off and explore the spiritual plane with his bro. Yeah, which is very lovely. That's a nice story. It's a nice story. I like that story. And story number three comes from Troy. I grew up in Newfoundland in Canada, so many of the people that sailed here back in the day are from the UK and Ireland. Of course, they all brought their stories and beliefs with them. In every town, there's always someone that knows stories about fairies. These aren't the cute Tinkerbell fairies that everyone has seen in Walt Disney movies. These are fairies that call your name when you're alone in the woods, in an attempt to make you lose your way, among other things. With that said, here's my story. My friends and I were about 15 years old at the time, 
and we were going to build a platform in the woods to sit on so we could smoke cigarettes and drink beer without getting caught. One Saturday morning, four of us were at the spot we had chosen and were building the platform. All of my friends had run out of nails and needed to go and get more. I still had my pockets full, so I said I would stay behind and continue working. About 15 minutes after my friends had left, I heard someone say my name. It wasn't loud or anything. I took a break from my work and I looked around. I couldn't see or hear anything so I had a drink and went back to work. A little after that I heard my name again, only louder this time. I stopped working and it felt like someone was staring at me from the woods, though I couldn't actually see anyone. I was starting to feel very wary now and called out to my friends, but no one answered back. I stopped working, sat down and got another drink. As I was sitting, I heard my friends talking as they were walking down the trail towards the platform. As soon as they got back, I started cursing on them for trying to scare me. They swore they didn't know what I was talking about. Just as they set down their backpacks, each of us heard one of the loudest screams we had ever heard. It was coming from everywhere. You could feel that it wasn't a scream that was full of fear, but rather one that caused fear. It scared us so much that we grabbed our bags and left the platform as fast as we could run. We never did go back. And I still get chills every time I think about it. Troy raises a good point at the start of this, isn't it? Because I feel like there's two different types of fairies. There's the fairy, as in fairy godmother, which is the fairy AI. This is how I picture it in my head. And then there's the fairy, which is the real deal, which is the AE one. Spelt with AE instead of AI. Like, oh, as in, I did not know what you were talking about. I think you meant artificial intelligence. No, oh, <laughs> the way you spell the fairy. That's how I picture it in my head. So, you know, when you think about Disney fairies, it's AI. And then when you're actually talking about fairies, it's AE. That has really confused me. I do understand what you're saying, but I can see neither spelling in my head now. It's really <laughs> confused me. But I think, you know, when we think about Tinkerbell as just as a character, she she's not all good. She tries to kill Wendy. Everybody seems to forget that. She's not a fan of Wendy and she's she's quite she's she's not very nice. She's full of rage. And that's what fairies are, full of rage. Talking of rage, do you think the screams that they heard after was the fact that they didn't get a response from calling their name, calling his name? I wonder if the fairies were like, You're not building your little drinking den in our forest. No, no. So we're gonna scare the shit out of you so you can leave. So I think that's more so what it is. Oh, I thought it was like they called like Troy, 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 and then just screamed in frustration. Nah, I think they're trying to scare him. Okay. Because I think, yeah, they're they're not very nice. And there's a real similarity there between the Will-o'-the-Wisp legends. Will-o'-the-Wisps are like lights that lead you astray in the forest or in the moorland that are linked to fairy culture and it's it's interesting. I didn't, you know, you, you don't really connect with how the um, removal of people from Ireland and people from the UK and just Celtic people from their country to other countries means that they brought their fairy door with them. And it like has, you know, transcended time elsewhere. But that's more because fairies exist everywhere rather than... So that's just the Celtic explanation of it rather than them just bringing fairies around. 
Oh yeah, I don't think they physically packed the bag and said, can somebody throw in some fairies? Because I know that we don't like them and they actually make our life quite difficult, but we kind of can't survive without them. So pop them in a bag, off we go. No, I don't think that's that's what it is at all. And story number four comes from Jackie. When it comes to the paranormal, I'm super sceptical about it. I could see something levitate and think, oh, it must be the wind. I'll be super scared, but ghosts won't be my first thought. I've been living in the same house since I was born with my mom and my dad and my three older sisters. Our house was built somewhere else and was eventually moved to the area that we live in now. Where the house was originally located, we don't know. Who lived in it, we also don't know. Overall, this house is super old and mysterious. We rent this place, but we're good friends with the owner and their family. From my knowledge, the owner and her family lived here and then we moved in. The house has two bedrooms and one bathroom. When I was younger, I was stuck in a room with my three older sisters, and we had two sets of bunk beds. Eventually, one of my sisters moved out, thank God, so it was only the three of us. We rearranged our room where my eldest sister had a twin bed on the left corner of the room. My sister and I were on the other side of the room in a bunk bed. I can vaguely remember my older sister would sometimes have trouble sleeping. She would wake up crying and scared. I sometimes overheard my mom talking about how my older sister was absolutely terrified and eventually rearranged the room, moving all of our beds. My family is super Catholic, so we were required to sleep with a blessed rosary over our beds and since I was the youngest, my family would keep scary things from me. It got to a point where my dad would pray and spray holy water on my sister's bed and do the whole cleaner with an egg spiel, which is stupid in my opinion. But every time I would ask what my dad was doing, they would just say nothing. Eventually, our room was rearranged. My eldest sister stopped having these nightmares and that was that. Fast forward past our childhood to the year 2014 and my oldest sister is married in her own apartment and my other sister is moving in with her boyfriend. Freedom. I was 19, going to college with my own room in my parents' house. I rearranged the room so that my bed was in that left-hand corner. It was the biggest mistake I've ever made. And I am a stupid person with a track record of making mistakes, but this was the worst. Almost every night I had the worst nightmares possible, and they all felt real. I don't want to share the details of my dreams because they were the worst things you can imagine and the level of how real they felt was unbelievable. I would wake up every night crying, it was hell. There were some nights where I wouldn't have nightmares but I would hear a man's voice. One time I heard, it happened in the purple room. I named him Joe, short for Joseph. Why did I name him Joe, I don't know, but it just came to me. If I ever heard him, I never said, hey Joe, I would just nope out. But it felt less scary if he had a name. I never saw anyone, nor did I encounter something strange happening. Just that voice, and nightmares. My dad's job eventually switched him to night shifts, so he was gone all night, and it would just be my mom and I. I saw this as an opportunity to sleep with my mom. Yes, I was a 20-year-old, 
sleeping in the same room as my mom because I was that scared. I told nobody except my mom. I didn't want to sleep in there, period. So my parents and I changed rooms, which was for the better. As it was, my parents' room was closer to the street. So it was louder for my dad to try and sleep in there. My room was on the other side of the house. My parents moved to my purple room, leaving the rosary in that corner and putting the dresser there, hanging more rosaries. My parents didn't experience any nightmares, but my mom is always wary and one of my sisters moved back in. And I was okay with it because I'm not sleeping alone in that room anymore. Fast forward to 2020. I was video chatting with one of my sisters on a weekend and we were sharing our stories about this house that I still live in because being a broke college student living in an expensive ass town people dream to live in is a real struggle. I told her about my nightmare fiasco that happened when they all left me and told her there was a man named Joe that I would hear and emphasised that I created the name Joe. My mom was there walking by and she stopped behind me and said, A man named Joe did die here. He was the owner's uncle. I had no knowledge of this death. What I do know is that Joe wasn't causing the nightmares but something else. He was a social lad, always whispering nonsense to me but he stopped the nightmares the nights that I heard him. I felt like when he told me that it happened in the purple room, he was telling me he died in that room. I haven't confirmed it because I would prefer not to. I don't need to know. To this day, even though I'm not religious, I sleep with a rosary out of habit. And out of a little fear. Because I know Joe is not the only thing here. This is another story where the listener is put a name on a spirit and then it's found out that that was actually their name which makes me think i wonder if spirits kind of put these names in our head as a way of communicating with us Mm. maybe and for non-catholic listeners uh blessed rosary is like a beaded chain type thing you don't wear it as a chain it's like prayer beads basically each bead represents prayer just in case anyone was wondering, because Rosary was mentioned loads of times in that story. So in case, because I, I, when I'm listening to a story, I picture everything that's happening. And if I don't understand something, I just have this blank <laughs> where I'm like, oh, I have no idea what that is or what that might look like. So that's what a blessed Rosary is. Isn't it funny that it uh, only seems to be an issue with whatever the other thing is when in a certain part of that room? Mm. It's weird. It's so strange. It's almost like that it can't get out of that area like it's contained in the corner or or something happened in that corner that left a a mark i sound like fucking i sound like a ghost adventures person now you really do god's sake i'm here for it who am i who have i become (laughs) emma baggins (laughs) and story number five comes from miranda According to my mother, I've always been a bit sensitive to paranormal stuff. But this didn't really come to my own attention until I was around 14. My best friend's mom got married at this beautiful hotel in Galveston in Texas, called the Galvez. It's a gorgeous old hotel that was built in the early 1900s after this historic flood that devastated the island in 1900. It's well known that a lot of places in Galveston are haunted due to its history and it's well known and advertised that one of the rooms on the fifth floor of the Galvez is haunted. 
The hotel lets you stay in the haunted room where a woman supposedly hung herself almost 100 years ago because her sailor husband supposedly died at sea. Classic cheesy ghost story that a hotel would love to bank in on, right? I didn't have any interest in it at the time because it seemed a bit too... normal for a ghost story. During the wedding reception, my best friend and I were dancing when I asked if she'd go to the restroom with me. She refused because she wanted to keep dancing, so I went alone. When I got into the ballroom's ladies' toilets, I was alone, but I just didn't feel quite right. I started to go into one of the two stalls and stopped myself immediately because I just got this bad feeling, so I went to use the other stall. As I was going about my business, the toilet next to me started flushing in a way like someone was just holding down the lever to keep the water running. Of course, no one had entered the bathroom since I'd been in there, so I quickly hurried up to go wash my hands and leg it out of there. As the night went on, I quickly forgot about the incident and went back to enjoying the party. Later that night, my mom and I were driving back home to Houston in the absolute pouring rain. I mean torrential downpour kind of rain when I just started sobbing. Like hardcore sobbing, but I couldn't figure out why. I wasn't upset about anything and it just came on so suddenly. My mom was properly freaked out by it and said that before I went to bed that night she was going to smudge me in the house. She did as soon as we got in and sent me to bed. After she smudged us, everything seemed fine until about two weeks or so later when things started to happen. When I would leave my bedroom and come back, trinkets would be moved around they'd suddenly be on my desk or across the room on the shelf under my tv i was a little on edge but brushed it off thinking that my mom and her best friend who was staying with us at the time were messing with me then at night as i lay in bed trying to fall asleep i would notice this smoky kind of thing above my bed i don't know how to describe it other than like how tv static looks but softer and it would kind of move periodically. I would just ignore it and try and close my eyes and sleep, thinking it must be my eyes playing tricks on me in the dark. Then one night, while I was on the phone with my boyfriend, I was laying on my bed facing the wall. I was getting ready to sleep, so I'd made sure that there weren't any of our cats or dogs in my room, so they wouldn't wake me up in the night, and I made sure my door was closed, when I felt the bed behind the small of my back push down. This genuinely felt like a person as real as me had just pushed their hand straight down into the mattress right behind the small of my back. I panicked, but I stayed still and pretended like I noticed nothing and kept talking to my boyfriend. As soon as I ended the call, I shot out of my room and went to go and talk to my mom and her friend Dusty who were still up. I told them what had been happening for the past few weeks and that I know I sounded crazy but it was freaking me out now. They listened intently when finally Dusty said, I knew it. I knew there was something up with your room. When I asked her what she meant, she had said that for the past few weeks she hated walking past or into my room. She even hated going to the bathroom because it was directly across from my room. She also said that a few times when she'd been up late watching TV, she noticed the kitchen lights just turn on, off, on, off, over and over again, but not in a flickering way. 
like it wasn't the light bulb going or electrics flipping out. She said it was like a person stood there, turning them slowly on and off, and then it would stop. So after we were all officially freaked out, Dusty said that I needed to leave a glass of water out on my desk for the spirit as a peace offering, and that I needed to talk to her because she felt like she was lonely. So I grabbed a glass of water and went to my room, closed the door, and told the ghost, look, as long as you don't mean any harm, you can stay, but only if you're respectful and positive, and please stop moving my things, I don't like it. And I went to bed. For a while, nothing happened. All activity ceased. But then little things would start happening again, like my stuff moving around my room when I'd leave or when I was asleep. After a while, I noticed that there was a pattern. The ghost only started acting up when I stopped fully talking to her or paying attention to her. Once I started acknowledging her again, she would chill out. This pattern went on for years and I just accepted it as my new normal. When I was 18, my same friend whose mom's wedding I'd gone to and I went to check out this psychic to get a reading for fun. During this reading, the woman told me who I was going to marry and how I'd know it was him. This came true, by the way. But despite this happy trajectory in my reading, she paused midway through and said, I'm sorry I have to tell you this, but you have someone who's attached to you. I told her that I knew and that I'd known for a while. She continued saying that, She's not malicious. She just mistook you for someone that she knew, attached herself to you and has been with you ever since, but she's not bad. She then proceeded to tell me that I have psychic abilities and if I chose to open myself up to them. I told her that I did not and will never want to do that because frankly I don't need to risk inviting anything bad to follow its way into my life and the reading continued. That same year my boyfriend at the time had moved in with me after my mom up and left. We fought a lot and his best friend was all kinds of manipulative trouble. Anytime we fought or when his friend was over it was like my ghost threw a temper tantrum too at them. She'd chuck pictures off the wall at them, hide their things and essentially just creep them the fuck out whenever we were on bad terms. It never freaked me out though. It was like she was looking out for me like a best friend would. After my boyfriend and I had broken up, I sold the house and moved in with a friend. Since I've moved, I've never felt her presence again. And I've now moved to England and I've definitely never felt her here. It's a little sad to think about though that my little protector is all alone in that house with so many memories. But I assume she'd have tagged along if she'd wanted to in the end. Maybe she's found peace. I'd like to think that she has. When I was about two years old, my family went to Washington, D.C. because my older sister was able to meet President Clinton. So my parents turned it into a family holiday. One of the places we went was a pub that supposedly George Washington himself had frequented. According to my parents, the minute we entered the place, I started absolutely screaming and crying, properly threw a fit and wouldn't stop for anything throughout my family's meal. My dad was fed up with my crying and decided to wolf his food down quickly and take me on a walk around the block outside so the rest of my family and the other patrons could all eat in peace. While we were gone, my mom jokingly asked, Is this place haunted or something? To which one of the waitresses who then froze in place, asked, What did you see? 
My mom told her that she hadn't seen anything, but that her baby wouldn't stop crying the minute we walked in and that my dad had to take me outside. The waitress then told her all the stuff that had happened there all the time. Everything from lights turning on and off, to beer taps turning on by themselves, to forks flying across the room and sticking themselves in wooden doors, and even on a few occasions, light bulbs spontaneously exploding. My mom was sufficiently freaked out by the waitress's stories and decided to hurry everyone up with their food to leave. When my parents met back up afterwards, my dad told my mom that any time he would walk him and I away from the pub, I'd stop crying entirely. But the minute he turned back towards the pub, I'd start screaming and sobbing and trying to practically claw myself out of my stroller. Apparently, I did this over and over again. Naturally, I don't remember any of this. But my mom to this day is convinced that I saw something in there that was evil. I work at an old Victorian mill. As far as myself and any of my co-workers so far have been able to find out, the mill was a linoleum factory and before that a sale factory initially before it changed hands a few times and became various things until it became our commercial archaeology company. On the second floor of the building we have our project officer's office. Pretty much everyone in my office has worked in this room at one point or another for databasing and such and every day at around four o'clock-ish you start to hear this noise directly above you like someone is dragging heavy furniture around. Everyone seems to ignore it and most of us seem to think it's our cleaner Nick just dragging furniture around while he's vacuuming because it's around that time of day he starts his rounds. One day, I went upstairs to ask a question about a site I was working on and the entire third floor was dead silent and there were only two of my co-workers there. I told them about the noises we hear every day in the PO's office and asked if Nick had been there cleaning up and moving stuff. My co-worker said that Nick didn't usually show up until after five and that no one had been upstairs and it had been dead silent as usual. I figured it was pipes or something and went back downstairs to work. But over time, I began mentioning it to other co-workers and five other co-workers have heard it as well at the same time every day and have said that it sounds like someone's moving heavy metal furniture or heavy machinery. Recently, my co-worker Logan and another co-worker were processing samples in the basement and heard a loud noise like something dropped or moved on the opposite end of the basement. They shrugged it off initially, but then they heard it again and again. After the third time, they went searching but found nothing. But as soon as they decided it was nothing and started walking back, the noise went off again right above their heads. A loud banging sound, like someone was moving and throwing furniture and things around. No one else is in the building, and the offices above are part of the basement that have been empty for weeks now. This last one I'll leave on a slightly happier note. When my mom was 18, her mother was admitted to hospital with a severe blood clot. Apparently it was supposed to be a routine fix and she was supposed to come home relatively soon, but the medication she was on caused complications with the blood clot that doctors at the time were unaware of. She passed away one night, with my granddad by her side in hospital while my mom was at home in bed. My mom said that she woke up suddenly that night with a start, but she felt this overwhelming feeling of comfort almost immediately, and said that she could have sworn it just 
felt like her mom was in the room with her. She said she called out for her. And then the phone rang. It was my granddad telling her that mom had just passed away a few moments before. My mom believes it was her mom's way of saying goodbye when my mom couldn't be with her when she passed. Miranda, I feel it was a very wise choice to tell the psychic that you weren't interested in following up on your psychic capabilities because I feel like your sensitivity is probably enough for you to handle and I think you made the right decision so I want to congratulate you on that. I think I would either not want to be a psychic or I would want to be a psychic who does massive uh, audience participation things where I have really big hair and uh, garish shirts that's that's those are my two options uh, not not at all or is it the Long Island medium is that what that lady's called where you do like daytime television and stuff that's what I, that's what I'd like you'd want to be a talking head on every paranormal show going basically absolutely yeah yeah I feel like you'd make a good uh, a good talking head person a good talking head I don't know how you say it really well that works um I couldn't deal with this and I feel like Miranda's very sensitive but the things that she has sensed have been relatively unobtrusive thankfully i mean it's annoying that things were being moved around it's annoying seeing like a shadow over your bed it's annoying hearing noises but thankfully it hasn't disrupted her life too much but even that for me is a, a level too far of sensitivity i couldn't handle that no it will be very will be very difficult to try and manage that on a day-to-day basis and i think it would be very difficult in your workplace to try and manage that because I, I would always feel on edge if Ooh, I was... a very good point. If I was knocking around work and I was like, oh God, are the noises going to start? It's four o'clock. What are they? I'd be very on edge. I'd be striking that match. <laughs> <laughs> this is clearly Dan's public service announcement that nobody should hire him because he's going to burn your business down. Only if it's haunted. If it's not haunted, you're fine. <laughs> And if you enjoyed today's episode, you can find everything you need to know about us on reallifeghoststoriespodcast.com. You can send your own spooky story to reallifeghoststoriespodcast at gmail.com. You can support us on Patreon, patreon.com forward slash stories, where for $5 a month or $2 a month, you get access to heaps of extra content. All of the links to everything that you need to know about us are in the description of this episode. And on that note, we shall see you next week. Bye.